Greetings, Detective. Welcome to the Murder Mystery Company in our new free service, Calm Mystery. We know that many of you need that calm and centered moment, but meditation isn't necessarily your thing. If you're a mystery lover, a crime fan, and could use a break, you've come to the right place. It sure is a suspenseful world out there, but I have good news for you. In this world, the only suspense will come from the world's best writers. For the next few minutes, we're going to close the door on the outside world. First, find a comfortable chair, sofa, or bed. Take a moment to just relax into that spot. Let your body sink in, slowly releasing the day's tension. Just relax. You've earned this time. You need this time for you. Your body will thank you. Now let's take a moment to clear your mind. I want you to focus on two things. My voice and your breathing. Take a deep breath in through your nose. Let it out slowly through your mouth. Now the same thing, but let's breathe on my count. Three counts in and four counts out. Breathe in. One, two, three. Now out. One, two, three, four. As we do this, you're going to slowly relax more and be perfectly ready for tonight's dastardly tale. Now again, breathe in. One, two, three. Now out. One, two, three, four. One more time, breathing out the last bit of stress. Breathe in, one, two, three. Now out, one, two, three, four. Excellent. Tonight's tale of mystery, intrigue, and murder is truly spine-tingling. Calm Mystery the Man Who Was Lost by Jacques Futrell Read by Perry F. Bruns Part 5 For a time there was silence, broken only by sobs, as the woman clung frantically to Hatch with her face buried on his shoulder. Then, Don't you remember me? She asked again and again. Your wife? Don't you remember me? Hatch could still see the trace of a smile on the scientist's face, and said nothing. You are positive this gentleman is your husband? inquired the thinking machine, finally. Oh, I know! the woman sobbed. Oh, John, don't you remember me? She drew away a little and looked deeply into the reporter's eyes. Don't you remember me, John? can't say that I ever saw you before,' said Hatch, truthfully enough. 
I... I... Fact is... Mr. Doan's memory is wholly gone now, explained the thinking machine. Meanwhile, perhaps you would tell me something about him. He is my patient. I am particularly interested. The voice was soothing. It had lost for a moment its perpetual irritation. The woman sat down beside Hatch. Her face, pretty enough in a bold sort of way, was turned to the thinking machine inquiringly. With one hand, she stroked that of the reporter. "'Where are you from?' began the scientist. "'I mean, where is the home of John Doan?' "'In Buffalo,' she replied glibly. "'Didn't he even remember that? "'And what's his business?' "'His health has been bad for some time, "'and recently he gave up active business,' said the woman. "'Previously he was connected with a bank.' When did you see him last? Six weeks ago. He left the house one day, and I have never heard from him since. I had Pinkerton men searching, and at last they reported that he was at the Yarmouth Hotel. I came on immediately. And now we shall go back to Buffalo. She turned to Hatch with a languishing glance. Shall we not, dear? Whatever Professor Van Dusen thinks best, was the equivocal reply. Slowly, the glimmer of amusement was passing out of the squint eyes of the thinking machine. As Hatch looked, he saw a hardening of the lines of the mouth. There was an explosion coming. He knew it. Yet when the scientist spoke, his voice was more velvety than ever. Mrs. Doane, do you happen to be acquainted with a drug which produces temporary loss of memory? She stared at him, but did not lose her self-possession. No, she said finally. Why? You know, of course, that this man is not your husband? This time the question had its effect. The woman arose suddenly, stared at the two men, and her face went white. Not? N not? What do you mean? I mean and the voice reassumed its tone of irritation. I mean that I shall send for the police and give you in their charge unless you tell me the truth about this affair. Is that perfectly clear to you? The woman's lips were pressed tightly together. She saw that she had fallen into some sort of a trap. Her gloved hands were clenched fiercely. The pallor faded and a flush of anger came. Further, for fear you don't quite follow me even now, explained the thinking machine, I will say that I know all about this copper deal of which this so-called John Doan was the victim. I know his condition now. If you tell the truth, you may escape prison. If you don't, there is a long term, not only for you, but for your fellow conspirators. Now will you talk? No, said the woman. She arose as if to go out. Never mind that, said the thinking machine. You had better stay where you are. You will be locked up at the proper moment. Mr. Hatch, please phone for Detective Mallory. Hatch arose and passed into the adjoining room. You tricked me, the woman screamed suddenly, fiercely. Yes, the other agreed complacently. Next time be sure you know your own husband. Meanwhile, where is Harrison? 
Not another word, was the quick reply. Very well, said the scientist calmly. Detective Mallory will be here in a few minutes. Meanwhile, I'll lock this door. You have no right, the woman began. Without heeding the remark, the thinking machine passed into the adjoining room. There, for half an hour, he talked earnestly to Hatch and Doan. At the end of that time, he sent a telegram to the manager of the Lincoln Club in Pittsburgh as follows. Does your visitor's book show any man, registered there in the month of January three years ago, whose first name is Harry or Henry? If so, please wire name and description, also name of man whose guest he was. This telegram was dispatched. A few minutes later, the doorbell rang and Detective Mallory entered. What is it? he inquired. A prisoner for you in the next room, was the reply. A woman. I charge her with conspiracy to defraud a man who for the present we will call John Doan. That may or may not be his name. What do you know about it? asked the detective. A great deal now, more after a while. I shall tell you then. Meanwhile, take this woman. You gentlemen, I would suggest, might go out somewhere this evening. If you drop by afterwards, there may be an answer to a few telegrams which will make this matter clear. Protestingly, the mysterious woman was led away by Detective Mallory, and Doan and Hatch followed shortly after. The next act of the thinking machine was to write a telegram addressed to Mrs. Preston Bell, Butte, Montana. Here it is. Your husband suffering temporary mental trouble here. Can you come on immediately? Answer. When the messenger boy came for the telegram, he found a man on the stoop. The thinking machine received the telegram, and the man who gave to Martha the name of Manning was announced. Manning, too, mused the scientist. Show him in. I don't know if you know why I am here, explained Manning. Oh, yes, said the scientist. You have remembered Doan's name. What is it, please? Manning was too frankly surprised to answer and only stared at the scientist. Yes, that's right, he said finally, and he smiled. His name is Pillsbury. I recall it now. And what made you recall it? I noticed an advertisement in a magazine with the name in large letters. It instantly came to me that that was Doan's real name. Thanks, remarked the scientist. And the woman, who is she? What woman? asked Manning. Never mind, then. I am deeply obliged for your information. I don't suppose you know anything else about it? No, said Manning. He was a little bewildered, and after a while went away. For an hour or more, the thinking machine sat with fingertips pressed together, staring at the ceiling. His meditations were interrupted by Martha. Another telegram, sir. The thinking machine took it eagerly. It was from the manager of the Lincoln Club in Pittsburgh. Henry C. Carney, Harry Meltz, Harry Blake, Henry W. Tolman, Harry Pillsbury, Henry Calvert, and Henry Lewis Smith, all visitors to club in month you name. Which do you want to learn more about? It took more than an hour for the thinking machine to establish long-distance connection by phone with Pittsburgh. When he had finished talking, he seemed satisfied. Now, he mused, the answer from Mrs. Preston. It was nearly midnight when that came. Hatch and Doan had returned from a theater, 
and were talking to the scientist when the telegram was brought in. "'Anything important?' asked Doan anxiously. "'Yes,' said the scientist, and he slipped a finger beneath the flap of the envelope. "'It's clear now. It was an engaging problem from first to last, and now—' He opened the telegram and glanced at it. Then, with bewilderment on his face and mouth slightly open, he sank down at the table and leaned forward with his head on his arms. The message fluttered to the table, and Hatch read this. "'Man in Boston can't be my husband. He is now in Honolulu. I received cablegram from him today. Mrs. Preston Bell.'" Thank you for listening to Calm Mystery a Murder Mystery Company production. To solve your own case with us, visit MurderMysteryZoomParty.com, all one word, and use code CALM, C-A-L-M, for $20 off your own murder mystery party. We have dozens of entertaining detectives. You can even ask for me, Perry, by name. If no one else can help, and if they can find me, maybe I can help you become Detective of the Night. That's MurderMysteryZoomParty.com, all one word, code CALM.